0: You're supposed to say hello. Oh. Hello. (laughs) Welcome to the Circle of Dads, the space for sharing stories about the struggles and triumphs of fatherhood, and learning to become better men. man how are you good good how the heck are you I'm doing all right so um how was uh how how was the funeral
1: Uh, it was good man it was good uh you know obviously my my great-aunt was a a wreck you know that's she was just a few years she's she's actually she the oldest no she's I think she's just a few years younger than my grandmother 95 years old and of course when I saw her she lost it and you know we cried together we shared some great stories and um it was good man it was just it was just a good good closure um i saw her she didn't quite look like herself you know it's sometimes that that's all weird and stuff
0: i don't i don't want an open casket
1: yeah i don't either honestly i don't need people to be staring at me like just with my body presented for everyone to see like that it's just weird just let's just say goodbye have a picture of me up and that's it you know? Yeah, like
0: a picture of, of of when I looked my best would yeah. be awesome. Like I'll, exactly. I'll make sure, I'll make sure I'll have that picture set aside for exactly. that particular moment.
1: Take it yourself. <laughs> um
0: yeah, my father-in-law passed away recently and we went and and you know it was the same thing, the open casket and I was just like, you know, people it's such an interesting experience um death, obviously, but just the mourning process and the funeral and, and how it's, it's, it's so strange to me, you know, it's, um, it's almost like people have to go there to hurt really bad to get over it instead of, instead of kind of privately mourning. You you know what I mean? That's
1: true. That's true. Yeah. And like the whole people, I think it's that connection we need, we need a connection with people, and, and maybe we want to share our hurt. We want to share our pain with people. I don't know. Let, let yeah,
0: and but just the whole looking at the body is is odd to me.
1: Yeah, it is odd, and you know, it's funny. This time around, I wasn't gonna do it. Like I, because I, she was so swollen at the end. You know, she had like edema, and she had. I mean, she had a laundry list of stuff. And uh, when I saw my great aunt, I'm like, look, I, I'm very conflicted about this. I want to say bye to her, but I don't want to look at her. So. I don't think I'm gonna look at her. And she's like she's like she's not swollen. She's like I looked at her, she she looks like herself. She's like, look at her, you know, say goodbye to her. Like don't don't be afraid, she's not she doesn't look different. Um and I and I did and, and she truly wasn't swollen. Uh obviously that that probably you know, once the blood drains out a little bit, I don't even know what they do, but but who knows what they do. But um she didn't look Swollen, but her mouth looked weird, you know. And it's like you never know how someone dies, and then rigor mortis sets in, and then, and then it gives them like a weird look, and then they gotta like make up for that with makeup and stuff. Like it's just totally, totally weird.
0: It's it is, especially like with men, you know. So oh. when when you see a man in there, I remember um, a real good. Oh, you yeah, have makeup
1: on men, yeah.
0: And it's just like dude, he never looked like that. I mean, maybe he had a cross-dressing face, but I didn't remember him as that, you know, like I had this, this buddy of mine named Cowboy and he was this big old cowboy. I mean, he was giant and, uh, you know, his nose was all twisted to one side because he, you know, he used to fight a lot. And, and so at his funeral, I walk up and I look at him and it's like, that's, that's not him. Like, who's this dude? But it's just, I mean, it's just the human, the human experience is interesting
1: it is you're right man and the the death thing is so weird like it's these customs and these weird things we have and like obviously then like the there's nothing in that body you know and so the skin doesn't have elasticity and like i remember this when i was in clinical anatomy like just i would i would move one of the because we went through two whole bodies um, sure and and like you would move their face and their face would stay the way you moved it you know, because there's no elasticity, so it stays there. So you could give them, like, a smile, and they would stay smiling. And, you know, it's just, it's all weird, man. It's all this weird thing. But, like, you know, then you, the, the 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 whole thing about it is, like, you're just, you're just hanging out with family. And you're just hanging out there in the name of this person, you know, and just contemplating things that, that well, whatever comes up during the process. Because there's so, so many things, like. Then like you're cracking up in the middle of the funeral because there's you telling funny stories and then you feel weird about that. It's just, <laughs> it's
0: just yeah. Off. And you took your boys.
1: Oh yeah, man, I took them and and uh, of course Dean was really curious and he didn't even ask to go see the body. He just went up to see it. So I was like, you know, my mom was freaking out and my mom's like, you know, don't don't let him see. Him. I'm like, you know what? He's curious. Let, let him, him see, see it. it. Yeah. And Desmond obviously was very curious, but Desmond's a little bit less. Cavalier than his brother, so he was kind of like, you know, can I go say goodbye to her? And I was like, absolutely, go say goodbye. And then, of course, they have questions sometimes, and you know, that's a good time to talk about these things. You know, like I, 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 every time I see an opportunity with my kids, man, where I can go one way or or the other, I think about like, what could it, what would happen if I keep this truth from my kid, or if I try to protect my kid from this? And I'm always like erring on the side of telling them more showing them more because it's like under my control and i, I, I it's a controlled um, environment that I'm helping him learn about something versus like you know seeing a dead person in another situation with someone else I don't know like for me it's always just it makes sense to show them more to tell them more because um, I, I trust them you know like depending on where they are in their lives you know and depending on the, the subject matter for the most part I feel pretty good about trusting them. I'm not going to be showing them like Freddy Krueger and Jason movies like, and slasher movies because I know that their frontal lobes are not even developed to, to handle that. But certain subjects, I think they're ready.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a different kind of – I mean, that's that's trauma. You yeah, know, you exactly. You give that shit to your kid. But, you know, and, and it's like you, you – dance that line of, is this an opportunity? Like, is this taboo? Are they not ready for it or mature enough? Or am I just uncomfortable and not ready to have this conversation? Or I don't know. And you know, kids that the the, the abstract thoughts not developed and they, they just are not capable of that. But like, um, I've always just told my daughter straight up, like she'll ask me a question and I'll just answer it honestly, sometimes probably a little too honestly. I mean, there was, there was definitely things that, you know, I didn't get into, but I just think why not capitalize on the opportunity to be the person to introduce them to that subject?
1: Yeah. I love that idea. I love the idea of that. I think it builds trust and that's important.
0: And it's life. I mean, you're teaching these kids life. You're teaching them like when my grandfather died, we buried him. It was, uh, March 3rd, 1987. I just, for some reason, remember that. And you know, I was seven and I remember just looking at the casket and looking at him and, um, you know, he died alcoholically. So the body was kind of, yeah. And, but I remember reaching up there and like poking at his nose (laughs) and tugging on his ear. And then just, I got in deep shit for it, you know, but it was like, it seemed like a normal, even now looking back, I mean, like, why would I get in trouble for that? And it was just because. It yeah. Made, I, it,
1: Dean was trying to do that too. It, I was like, listen, that's disrespectful. Don't do it. it <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: He's going to come back and haunt your dreams. Don't do it.
1: <laughs> I, I know that it's that, it's that automatic, it's that curiosity. And, and you still had that curiosity before the world beat it out of you, you know, cause the world eventually like social norms, you're like, I'm just going to hold back and not, not give into that curiosity. Um, but I, I, just, I guide Dean, you know, like, I'm just like, look, just, you know, I know you want to touch her, but it's just disrespectful. You sure. Know, people think it's weird. And, um, but I totally understand it. You got to acknowledge it.
0: Yeah. And you know, the curiosity of children is, um, a great segue to go into what we were going to talk about. <laughs> right?
1: Actually it is, it is. Cause it, there's, there's definitely some children stuff. Um, that I wanted to talk about too for sure,
0: right? On well, what do you want to go start with?
1: Well, think about this man. Um, how many people talk about the fact that they were molested as children or they were, um, they were you know fondled or molested by another child? And like, I'm willing to bet that child, if, if we're talking about curiosity at from a three year old or four year old, that, that's one thing. If we're talking about like a 10-year-old, you know, messing around with another kid who's like four or five, where the hell did this kid get that idea? And yes. I'm, you know, I, I'm going to tell you right now, it's got to be porn, right? I mean, I'm thinking like what other ways can this person see, you know, someone messing with someone else's, you know, private parts and doing all this stuff? It's, it's usually a lot of the time porn.
0: Well, if it's not porn, then, um, you know, because my mind went to it was done to them.
1: Oh yeah, of course. If it was done to you too, that, that of course is, is going to automatically have this warped relationship with, with how to interact with others and, and what love is and what, you know, how to express love, all this weird stuff that you just are not mentally prepared for.
0: Well, and the, the fear and the shame, I mean, you start talking about pedophilia and, you know, uh, molestation and things like that. The, the, the damage that does, I mean, we don't, I mean, we could talk for hours about that. But I'm not qualified to talk about it because, every, I mean, it, I know from my own personal experience what kind of damage it caused. I know from experience from others that I've, I've had intimate conversations with it and we shared our experience, you know, as we've learned to do in our paths of recovery and things and in our paths of unfucking ourselves. Um, yeah. You know, it, it is so damaging it's it's incredibly damaging but the porn you know and that's a big thing like that's huge right and and um everyone knows that that's a no go like most people but like porn if it, it that is another avenue of where that could have happened because of the curiosity yeah and because i was a curious kid and oh, i remember yeah, being um i think the first time i ever saw porn was probably 6 or 7 it was Penthouse Magazine in my dad's closet, and he had a ton of them. So all I had to do was wait until he passed out drunk, and as soon as I heard him snoring, I knew I could go in there and find him and just look until my heart was content. Yeah. You know, but that was long before I'd, I'd, I'd learned about masturbation or even had an erection. You know, I mean, it was just like it was whatever it was, it was cool.
1: Yeah, it was really cool. I was right around. I had to be seven or eight. I I same thing. I I actually was at my dad's. Uh, he worked for some company or he had his own company. I don't remember what it was. And I was at the office with him, and I found it under the under the sink in the bathroom. And from that point on, every single bathroom I went to, I was looking under the sink. Yes. You know, <laughs> I was like, I was like, this is where the porn is. You know, and 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 of course, like I also. Um, I also, like, didn't, I probably got a little boner at the time. I probably was already, like, at that, that time, you know, already getting little boners. I, I think I remember that. And then I remember the first time that I, I just ejaculated. And I, I wasn't even masturbating. It was one of these, like, you know, I, I think I was rubbing up against my bed. <laughs> and I, fe- I felt good. And all of a sudden, it was like, Ugh! <laughs> and then I was like, "What the hell was that? That was freaking awesome!" Do it again. Whatever that is, let's let's do it again. Let's do it again. Uh, but yeah, the porn is just like. And then we lived in a world where you know it, it was, you know, the cable. You know, I had the little clicker with the with the old boxes, and I would see you. You could hear it. Oh yeah. And, which the hearing was really good, and then you could see like a boob like halfway through it, and you're looking at that. But then like as things. It's got more and more and more like, and when I was in high school, it was like pictures online, you know, like naked pictures of people having sex or naked pictures of women, uh, spread, you know, with their legs spread and, and all this stuff. And, and then of course, as we got older, we had more access to the porn. Now I feel like it's literally just like, we're talking about oxys to heroin in like, in less than a week, you know, man, it it's, it's
0: remarkable because, um, You know, as I was younger, I never really thought about the, um, uh, the damage that it could cause, you know, I just loved it. I've, I was sexualized very at a very early age and have always been a very sexual person. You know, the first time I ever got off, I was, I was leaning in a pool, um, and right in front of the jet and, and everybody knows how that ends of course yeah. it was at a pool party and I couldn't get out it's time to eat it's like no nah, I'll be there and just give me a minute, like, Wait, I, I, me a minute. I, I'm not hungry <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, man. Crazy. but
0: but then it just then it would turn into you know it like escalated because this dude's like you know there would be porn parties like just all the buddies would get together and watch porn and, and then that escalated into you know then it's like you have your own private collection And and back in the day, getting a collection, you had to find it under the bridge at the creek or steal it from your dad. Just like you said, as porn is so readily available now, I joke often that kids don't know what the struggle is because I didn't even, (laughs) I didn't even know, like jerking off to Telemundo at, at, (laughs) at like 1130 at night. You turn the little, the bottom clicker, like in between the bottom knob and, and, and then you, the bunny ears just right. And then you can see the Telemundo girls. I mean, there's yeah. a reason I married my wife. <laughs> I mean, she looks just like them. But, awesome. but, and then also like staying up till three o'clock in the morning on show to see Showtime at your grandmother's house and like, you know, being ready for Shannon yeah, yeah, Tweed. Like- but now kids have full access. It's thrown at them every moment of the day there's, there's predators trying to lure them out everywhere they are. And it was explained to me that once, like you can't unring a bell, you can't unsee that shit. So once a child eight or nine sees that, whether it's under your dad's sink in his closet, or you pick up his phone and are scrolling through something, like say you're looking at your dad's phone at dinner and you flip through and you pull up a picture or something and it's like, what the hell is this? I mean, I mean the damage that that causes and the questions that raise from that are, are, are big, but like you can't unsee that and it just lights everything up. Yep. And I mean, it can, it can be, um, well as both recovering addicts and alcoholics, I mean, we know exactly how harmful it can be.
1: Be Yeah, man
0: it just overtakes your life. So, how what has your experience been with that?
1: Well, um first of all, I got to say I like what's really really sad to me nowadays is that we got all the we got our phones and our and our iPads unlocked, like we got all these settings for the kids and not only do they get it even with these settings in place, like if they're going on a website they can they can be looking for you know Rubik's cube tutorials and the banner on the site is a pawn bear. you know like and that's there's no way that I can I can get rid of that. So there's that. Then there could be video games that they're playing on their iPhones that are kids video games and every single ad that they put is weird stuff. like one of them like I, I saw like two or three ads yesterday when my youngest, my five year old was telling me to to like look at this game that he's playing and then he can get bonus points for watching an ad, right? Sure. One of them was like a bunch of like, it was like cartoons, but it was like a role-playing game where you, you pretend to be like either a guy or a girl and then and then you're looking at the other person across the room and it's like, oh, she's hot. And then it's like, go talk to her or take her out and, and take her directly home. Like, And this is like an ad that's playing. And then there's another ad that was playing that was like, again, it's like, there are such sick people in this world that they're somehow getting around, like you know these, these different things. Even on YouTube, like you can see on YouTube, there's like um, things that are specifically geared towards kids, and either be like a Mickey or a Disney thing, and all of a sudden, like you're looking at a porn, and and, and these people don't care. It's gonna get taken off. It's gonna get taken down, but not before some people watch it. Well, and. and- Ah,
0: YouTube kids. And I I mean, sorry to interrupt you, but the, uh, Mm. before I forget, like my daughter, we had her on lock and she, she could have YouTube kids on her, uh, iPad and she no longer has an iPad. Um, and I was kind of like, well, where the hell is she? It had been a little while and I walk into her room and she's in her room with the door shut and she was 11, 10 or 11. And I walk in there, and, of course, she starts shutting stuff, and I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, I know that. Let me see that thing. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I pull it open, and she's instantly starting to explain herself, and I'm like, just let me just sit there. And I pulled it open, and she was watching a video. There was a bunch of other videos that she had already watched that were not okay, but this one particular video that she was watching was a bathroom, a Barbie doll bathroom. Scene. So, like a little Barbie doll tub, like it was a whole like set, like tile and everything. And the Barbie was naked in the bubble bath, but there was a man's hands like moving her around and washing her. You know what I'm saying?
1: This is so sick. And I'm
0: like, what the fucking fuck is this shit? You know, like I didn't wow. even. And so I take it and then I start, you know, investigating who made the video and who, you know, I mean, like where it came from and the kids are constantly being preyed upon. Yeah. It never stops. Yeah. And it's, and it's our job as dads, not to just protect them in a shield, like a super conservative, no, you can't do that. And, and make them vulnerable to the world or, uh, uh, naive, but to show them and teach them like, this is what's happening. Like, but again, once they see it, they're, little brains are curious and they want to keep looking at it.
1: Oh yeah, of course. It's kind of like, you know, Adam and Eve, they eat that apple and everything's the same nothing's ever the same, you know? Um, but you were asking me about my, my experience. Like I'll, I'll tell you something and I'll, I'll share. Cause like, why not? I mean, I remember there was a time in college of all places where my girlfriend at the time, was visiting me and we were like in a long distance relationship and I mean I was watching so much porn probably at the time because you know just trying to stay faithful that like I think I had given myself like some erectile dysfunction because the, the, there was one time where granted I, we were drunk you know and and we we I took her back to the dorm and I literally had to like sneak into the bathroom and watch some porn to like to get it up and then go in there. Cause I felt like no, absolutely nothing was happening when I was kissing her. Like there was like, there was no connection between my brain and my my dick, you know, like, and I was just like, what's going on? And so looking back at that, you know, that's, that's just like one time that I can think of and thank God, like I did, I never like, for me, porn wasn't a thing that like consumed me, like, you know, like cocaine did or. Or, you know, like alcohol where it's like, you know, once once it starts, once I have the drink in my hand, that's it. It's like everything else is like, you know, autopilot. As long as I have my drink, you know, as long as it's at least half full, I'm good. That wasn't that wasn't the case with porn. I mean, I, I definitely I agree with you. I'm, I'm one of those people that also very sexual. And, you know, even in times of my life where I was either down or uh, just felt feeling vulnerable, that would be the time that I would, for sure, have to have a woman in my bed, you know, like, I, there, yeah. there would be, you know, if a woman's not in my bed, I'm freaking out, you know, if there's someone not next to me right now, you know, like, you know, I'm alone, you know, all these different feelings, and I went through a period where, like, I had broken up with this girl that I was with for, like, a year, and it was the last real serious relationship be- before I got with Mauda, and I was alone for a period there, I don't know. I just kind of decided that I was gonna just work on myself and 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 um, I had already been sober. no, actually no, I wasn't sober, but I was it was a good period in my life um, where I wasn't like messing around or doing dumb stuff um, but like up until that, like it was always either that's the thing like I, I I was able to get girls, you know, and I was able to to my satisfaction, you know have the amount of sex that I wanted, you know but if I probably if I if I had it I would probably rely on it more, but, um, definitely you start to like, it's so fake and it's so like not realistic that you, 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 you can't deny that you're actually in some way it's affecting you. And you're thinking like, this is how I'm going to have sex too, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing that people are like, you know, uh, this is not real sex. This is not, you know, this is not like what women even want. You know, the things that they're doing, It's it seems to be much more geared towards dudes mm-hmm. because a lot of the time the things that they're doing is like it's not even something that would pleasure a woman, you know? Yeah, no girl wants two giant peckers in her ass. Okay. <laughs>
0: I, it's Most don't even want one small pecker in their ass. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yep
0: but it, it's it you know and i mean the moral aspect of how um how gender biased it is and and how you know because like with porn i mean there's erotica you know that yeah. you can um that's that seems to be consensual in it and it's and it's not so much i guess not as derogatory or not as no. um uh, to yeah I mean. and that's i mean to each its own, but the, I mean, the moral aspect of it, of, of how they get most of these women into these scenarios is, I mean, they exploit them. Oh, of course. They drug them, they exploit them. They promise them the world. And, and, and I'm not taking away anything from, you know, a woman that grew up and decided, Hey, um, I really like having sex. I'm comfortable with it. I don't see any shame in it. Um, I'd like to get paid to do it. And I, you know, maybe she's an exhibitionist and whatever, but I would think that the large majority of women involved in porn, uh, I would say there's some damage there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, have you seen, um, I think, is it called hot girls wanted? Mm-mm. It's a, it's a Netflix documentary and it's one of those documentaries where you don't even have to, as a documentary filmmaker, you don't even have to spin anything. Because all you're literally doing is hitting record, and the and the and the video tells you enough without any editorializing, any spinning, and it's just following this scumbag around who he has like a porn company. He lives in Miami Beach. He rents a house with like five rooms or something, and it's a disgusting, filthy mess. Um, you know, it's just like massive traffic in and out of the house, and. You know, to, to your point about um, most of the women are probably um, not, this is not by choice and this is not something that's empowering to them. I 100% agree with that because they said it in the movie. I think they said that the average um, career of a porn actress is either three or four months. So, you know, you talk about promising the world like for someone who lives in rural Iowa, And somehow finds a way to get her pictures online. And then she gets contacted by this scumbag from Miami. And all he does is say, look, I'm going to fly you to Miami this weekend. Okay. I'm going to pay you $1,500. Like everything's taken care of. Um, And she gets on that plane. And all of a sudden she grew up in Iowa. She's never traveled anywhere. All of a sudden she's in South Beach. You know, access to drugs. Maybe she hasn't even done them yet. You know, maybe there's just so many possibilities. There's so many things that can happen, and so quickly. And then she gets back on that plane. Her mom doesn't even know that she left for the weekend. And now she's on the internet, and she's you know on on a porn you know movie. And like these girls, these poor girls. At first, they're probably like, "This is awesome," you know. But then when they realize that like they are just one person in a sea of people, like you're not a superstar. You're, you know, the purpose of this video is not for cinematic excellence, obviously, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, there's a lot a out there, man. And um, it's hard because, you know, you don't want to I have a friend who who um, is very upfront about her experience as an exotic dancer and how, you know, she she's all about making sure that these people have rights and that, you know, they're they're treated like human beings. And I totally agree with that. Everybody should be treated like a human being. And but then I just wonder like when it comes to porn I don't I don't think that's one where it's I don't know it's just it's hard for it to be empowering when by its very nature it it doesn't seem to be possible of empowering you you know I mean like I don't know I this is why when we talk about this like it, this is like both of us are just kind of basically just giving opinions and speculating on stuff and interpreting stuff you know
0: Well and and like even <clears throat> You know, I mean we could we could really go down the rabbit hole on the moral aspect and how as as um, how oppressive it is to women. Uh, but we're not women. You know, I can't speak Yeah, exactly. I, I can't speak Great point. F- from the experience of being a woman. I don't know what that's like. Um I do know that I'm trying really hard to raise a daughter that doesn't become a stripper or a porn star. Like yeah. that and but that's my own but she might decide one day, Hey, I really want the attention. And uh, well then I guess, <laughs> I guess I'll cross that bridge whenever I get there. Oof, but yeah. like, <laughs> as far as us, you know, as far as men, because that's what, that's, that's what our focus should be. What can we do and how can we, uh, change ourselves? And it starts with us. It starts with our home, you know, and, and even, and, and it's really not, a. A religious, a biblical, uh, even from the moral standpoint of it, because there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of shit that goes with that. You know, I mean, yeah. if someone's watching a lot of porn and then they're going to church two nights a week and then, you know, they're hearing all this stuff th- that internalizes a lot of, a lot of conflict. Yeah. But I mean, if you look at like, for me personally, just from my experience, um, you know, you shared yours and so I'll share mine. It's, it's, um, I never even thought of porn as being an issue until, um, you know, I would have girlfriends that would that would find it. Excuse me, or that would. I mean, I've never been caught watching it. Um, I was caught by my grandmother one time, but that's all. <laughs> I mean, it was sad too. Like, kick back in the recliner with a thing of Vaseline. I'm like 12 years old watching oh, Showtime, man. and she walks in, and oh Jesus Christ! Oh man. <laughs> But to be fair, she didn't freak out. She just shut the door. So I got to give her props for that, you know? Yeah. And um, uh, I know for me, like it wasn't until the last couple of years that I started noticing how it could be an issue. And it was really not until I was with my wife. And the reason I say that is because I didn't know how to be intimate with anyone until my wife and I got together, you know, and we started – going through the process and growing, cause we kind of grew up together and, um, uh, we met in the program. I mean, she wouldn't mind me saying that. Um, and so, um, uh, we didn't 13th step each other or anything like that, but we, <laughs> we met in the program, we started dating, we, we didn't know how to date. And so we did that. And so you almost have that team of people you're that in the fellowship sponsors, your friends, that are showing you how to do that. And a lot of them are really fucked up too. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting experience, but through that and through work and through going to therapy and working on past traumas, I, I became intimate with a person for the first time in my life and sex became, it, it no longer became a drug or a medicine or something to feel better, to conquer to feel better about myself, to make me feel more like a man. It, it became an intimate expression of our love and our passion for each other. You know what I mean? And then once you get to that point with, I would hear people talk about that other men. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? But you know, with my wife, it's when we're making love, no matter what it is, I mean, no matter how freaky it is or pulling her hair or if it's sweet or whatever it is. And I'm looking into her eyes, I, I just, you know, your hearts start to beat together and yeah. and, and you almost want to like consume them because it's just <laughs> that love. But what I would find is I'm still super addictive and I'm still, still super uh, sexual. And, um, I would start going to porn and even like if we had sex that day, I'd still watch porn just because it was like, I wasn't, sa- I wasn't satiated, not necessarily with her, but just with that, that urge. Yeah, And, you know, I would feel shame afterwards, just kind of like, man, that that didn't feel right.
1: Yeah. And
0: then what I started noticing is that the more porn I watched, the less energy I would have for my wife yep. sexually, yep. Uh, because it's a lot of work to be intimate and sexual with your wife, not just walk up behind her and start banging, but to actually like put in the work to connect with her, to touch her, to take your time, to yep. make it an experience for, for both instead of just climbing on and getting off and like, okay, you're good and high five and go on about your life. Yeah. <laughs> you throw her a towel as you're walking out of the room, you know, checking <laughs> your phone. Um, and what I found is it started to disconnect. I would look at her differently. I would be more critical of her. I would, I would compare her to these women and what's, and, and in my mind, I know that these women are, um, either drugged, airbrushed, and not typically even the type of woman that I'd be interested in, but it just it, it just fires something off. And my wife is yeah. beautiful; she's flawless in my eyes. But you know, you start comparing the two, and it, and it's like I don't know. It it would. I'd start making up flaws. Oh yeah. That's and crazy. Man. And I couldn't be intimate, and I couldn't maintain an erection, and it just the orgasms weren't as good. It was just kind of eh, whatever, you know. And so what had happened is I would start fasting from porn because that's how, that's the only way I know to check stuff is like just get rid of it and let's see how life is without it.
1: Yeah, that's good.
0: And then things would get amazing. But that addict behavior would start coming in again, whatever it is, and and I would go back to it. And I catch myself, and every time I circle back to it, I feel worse. So it's almost like going back out again.
1: Yeah, same thing. Cause people don't understand. Like when you, if you relapse on anything, like you're not gonna, you're not gonna warm up. You're gonna pick up off. So, like, you know, you're not like, oh, I, you know, it's been a while since I had a drink. You know, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it easy. I'm gonna drink you like know? a gentleman. Like, you're gonna, yeah, no, you're like you, you, you remember your body, your mind. You know, all remembers like the amount of drinks that you were drinking. And I think the same thing can go for porn. Like you relapse on porn and you're going to pick up at the level of freakiness that you were at. And, and then of course, I think like when, once you realize that it's damaging to your, to your, to your relationships, to your life, you know, everybody, people who haven't been addicted to stuff, they don't know this, but they, they, I don't think they appreciate the fact that we all want to stop. Like we all hate ourselves, you know, like we, we, we want to stop, like, if you think that I don't want to stop like that's that's all types of fucked up you know like like I got kids I got I got a job you know all these things like you think we don't want to quit you know and so like that feeling of once you've identified it and you've gotten over the denial of the fact that in this case porn is is the problem you're really going to feel like shit when you do it you know and um you talked about the inability like the orgasms weren't as good like there's science behind this you know like Dave Asprey talks about this in, in Game Changer he talks about like you can't just be it's not even good to ejaculate as often like he, he's, he's done stuff where he's had sex and not ejaculated and I've only done this like once or twice and it wasn't even on purpose you know like it was one <laughs> of those things where it's like like you know, you know partner's done you know you're not done and you know what like you're okay with it and you're just like actually, this is kind of awesome. Like, you know, I'm the man, you know, like I didn't, I didn't even, you know, I, I, I gave her what she needed. Like, how many times does that happen? You know, the other way around, you know, like, so <laughs> it's always good. It's always good to like be able to do that. But like, if you're watching porn and then especially you, you've mentioned the example, like you had sex that day, then you had porn. It's like, you know, uh, Dave Asprey talks about it, like, because the Chinese people that, you know, these people, they, they know their stuff. They know they're, they're, they they're do stuff a little bit different, and um, he's like, you know, you're you're losing your chi. You know, like, you, every time you bust a nut, you lose some chi. So, like, if you can have sex without orgasming, like, or, or at least, you know, try to orgasm once or twice a week, you know, versus, like, doing it every single day, you're going to be better. You're going to have more energy. Your, your stamina is going to be better, and you're going to have a better appetite. Like, and, and I know... There's not one woman in this world who doesn't want to be, like, every time her husband or her partner, you know, gets with her, for them to be, like, ravenous and be like, come over here, you know? Like, I think women, they love that. Um, But you can't do that if you're watering it down. It's kind of like I think of it exactly the same as I do with training, where when you're training – you have to be 100% sympathetic dominant when you're training. Like in the middle of the set, you gotta be. Catecholamines are kicking in. You know, like everything is like your adrenaline's pumping. But then you have to switch that off in the in the um, in the rest period. And you can't do that if you're checking your phone and you're basically getting more dopamine hits. And and while you're while you're resting. And people don't understand that that low level of, of stress and that low level of of like excitability all the time versus having it completely off and then completely on during a set that is why people don't build muscle that is why people don't burn as much fat because they have this constant they're not able to switch between sympathetic and parasympathetic and i think of it the same way with with sex and and with porn it's like if you are getting better quality reps in the bedroom versus like getting all this like shitty Quality, you know, shit quality experience because you're just walking into a room by yourself and you're looking around and it's, it's like, it's like the end stages of, of alcoholism and of, of drug use where at the beginning, you know, you're always doing it with people like at the end, are you kidding me? Like if someone asked me if I had Coke at the end, no, I don't. Absolutely. I wish I did. Damn. Yeah. You know, sorry, man. I'm like, strapped. So I'm strapped. I'm looking too. And then meanwhile, you got an eight ball in your freaking in your pocket. Fucking you know, like... nose is
0: bleeding and shit. And like, yeah. It's allergies, bro. It's allergies.
1: <laughs> all that, all those years, you know, deviated septum, blah, yeah. blah, blah. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, I—that that is where it starts with porn. You know, like sure. you start never in that social period. You're always by yourself and like, I would, I would probably think, like, that's that probably a little bit more messed up in your brain, you know, to just always be. The shame is even worse because, like, no one really knows but you, but it's a really lonely feeling, you know? I would, you know, uh, you talk about the science of the brain.
0: Um, there was a, uh, I, I saw this earlier, uh, earlier a neuropsychiatrist in Cambridge named Valerie Voon, and she found that the brain of a habitual porn user looked the same as uh, an alcoholic. Oh, yeah, I've seen that too. Yep. And that, that the pleasure pathways and the reward system in your brain is the same as drugs and booze. Yep. And, you know, it, the, the dopamine response, the neuroepinephrine, the oxytocin, I mean, all the things that are released in your brain that when, when you have sex are also released whenever, you have po- whenever you're watching porn – if, if there's too much of that, then it can mess up your hormones and the way that they process in your brain and cause more yep. anxiety or depression or whatever it might be, you know, and just even the shame response, you know, if you get done and afterwards you're like, Oh fuck, I feel like shit. And if you're doing it, you know, you t- you spoke about when people don't understand addiction, I would, I would, I would say, um, if you don't understand heroin addiction, cocaine, alcoholism, porn, and you're like, you can't hear us right now. Like, it's just shutting off. Like, that's not me. Kind of like the whole deal is like, no, alcoholics are under a bridge with a paper bag. Like, no bullshit. (laughs) The alcoholic is your fucking librarian. Yeah. You know,
1: not everybody hits a financial bottom. There's, there's all types of bottoms that people hit, you know?
0: Oh yeah. But it, it can also be the same as like, what about that dude that you always go back to that? You know, you shouldn't go to. You know, what about that relationship you keep getting back into? How about that food? What about that yeah. diet that you can't stick to? Because every time you go buy a bag of chips, like you're in the fucking pantry eating by yourself in the <laughs> middle of the night, you know, it's, it's the same kind of pleasure response. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so if, if you can't hear or if you can't um, sympathize with anyone that's an alcoholic or a drug addict or a porn addict or anything like that, at least try to be um, looking at yourself enough to where you can be like, oh, okay, well, maybe I do the same. I have the same behaviors. It's just a different – it's just wearing a different skin.
1: Yeah. I'm looking for it right now because you mentioned it, um, is the, the definition of addiction from Dr. Gabor Mate. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Uh, yes, but I don't know what it is. Okay, so he says – this is why I think – Anyone who's not a quote-unquote addict, you know, because we we, we see addicts, and again, it's like we're thinking of, you know, people like freebasing, you know, cocaine and like, you know, in a gutter, um, and it's just not like that. Um, You do see that in the rooms. You see that too. Um, Yeah, and that's a rough look at it. Yeah, but like he says that addiction is any behavior in which the individual finds temporary relief or pleasure in. And craves for that reason, despite negative consequences. I mean, that's that cake you talked about. That's that. I mean, that's that person that you talked about. Like, because you 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 keep going back to him because he gave you one sliver of love. Like, he gave you one thing that wanted you to, that helped you maintain the definition in your mind of of him as a as a good person. You know, and he just gave you that one little thing. And that's all you needed. You know, it's just it's it's a shadow of what the original one was. It's a shadow of what your original thought of him was. But he can' he gave it back. You're addicted, you know. You're addicted, and it's it's not healthy. It's not good for you. So, lots of people, I think, definitely need to. You know, we have accepted, and people get kind of um, put off by how blunt. Addicts are. People don't understand that, like, (laughs) because we got over our bullshit already. Like, the first step is 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 like getting rid of denial. You know, acknowledging that there's a problem. And so you see all these people. And I I I don't want to feel I don't I don't want to feel like I'm going on a soapbox here, but like you definitely see people like going through life thinking like I'm not like my my dumbass brother who's an addict. You know, like, and meanwhile they're doing all these addictive things. That are socially acceptable, you know, like gambling or making yeah. or making
0: money or whatever yeah. it is. I mean, you can be addicted to those things too because they give you the same
1: response. Yep, yep, and it happens the same in the brain, like you said. And I think one of the things that Dave Asprey talked about in the book um, was that there's there's definitely a difference in the the hormones. So when you are doing it by yourself and you're watching porn, it seems to kick out much more dopamine yeah but if you're doing it with a partner it seems to be pushing out a lot more oxytocin which is you know that connection like women who are breastfeeding they get more oxytocin from breastfeeding i'm pretty sure than they get from orgasm so like it's it's like it's very comparable and like when when they get over like that first stage of like you know the mastitis and the cluster feeding and you don't know what's going on in the kid it hurts you start to love it and you start to like every time you do it, everybody's, both people are happy. Um, and so oxytocin is a powerful hormone. We should be, we should be trying to, you know, get more of that because dopamine is, is a much more like high fructose corn syrup yeah. type of thing where it's like that really, really high, high. And then the down comes and you're like, shit, I need another hit. You know, where am I going to get it? And if it's this different with oxytocin,
0: and if the roller coaster ride is that quick and that dramatic, you it's got to fire off warning lights in your head. Like, uh, this might not be good for me. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I think it does for sure. If you're listening to this and you're like, I don't have a porn problem, you know, or I'm whatever. Um, you know, just ask yourself some things like, does it interfere with my daily life? Do... I choose watching porn over um, going on a date. Will I choose watching porn over being intimate with my partner? Do I choose watching porn? I mean, do I rush home to watch porn? Hey, everybody. So we just sat down and had a conversation with Danny Vega of the Fat Fueled podcast. Um, Unfortunately, part of the podcast didn't record for whatever reason. Um, I think I, I, we haven't figured out why, but we lost the last 20 minutes of it or so. And, um, basically what Danny and I were talking about is we just continue to go down the rabbit hole of, um, of porn and, and, you know, how we can better protect ourselves and our families and how to, um, continue to grow and look for little blind spots in our lives and look for areas of opportunity to improve as men. One thing we did talk about that I'm super bummed that didn't get included is Danny's involvement in the gains wave treatment and his experience with that. Um, You can learn more at gainswave.com forward slash fat to see Danny's uh, testimonial on that. But basically, what it is, it's an acoustic sound wave similar to what they use to break up kidney stones. And they shoot you in the dick with it. Basically, and not basically, that's what they do. They shoot you in the dick with it. You go in and they numb you up. And they take this wand. And they go across the shaft of your penis. And what it does is it causes micro, micro tears and trauma inside the penis. What that does is it creates... New cardiovascular growth and blood flow, and I think everyone here knows what the advantages of more blood flow to your penis are, but he's he's he just raves about how it's like he has a rod running through the center of his of his dick, and he didn't even realize how much his erections had waned and like it feels like when he's 18 again so much so that his wife was even like oh my god you know like it's a night and day difference that he didn't even realize was an issue um it also creates a fuller and uh, a fuller and thicker erection and so, if you are looking for a way to maybe improve the size of your penis, this may be a way to do it um, without going through any of the crazy, crazy treatments that are available now that I am not even sure they work. <clears throat> but this also helps with um, sensitivity; it increases sensitivity, which actually um, it, it doesn't make it. it it's kind of counterintuitive, but it, it's. Um, The increased sensitivity helps with premature ejaculation. And then this is also a treatment largely for erectile dysfunction. So if you find that you don't get the proper blood flow to your penis, that this procedure will help that. They recommend that you get six procedures. And then they also offer a PRP, which is a stem cell shot that's supposed to give you the most bang for your buck. You know, I was talking to my wife about it, and she's like, I don't understand why you'd want to do that. Like, we, you don't need that. It's like, yeah, but, you know, in my opinion, a dick size is kind of like money in the bank. You know, sure, you got enough to be comfortable, and everything's okay, there's no issue, but we could always use a little bit more. Right? Am I right? I'm right. I think I'm right. So, you know, we kind of go in the weeds to that, about that. And if you, if you go, uh, to the link gainswave.com forward slash fat, you can read, um, all about Danny's experience. And, um, I think it got cut off right as I was making the point about, you know, think about your 14 year old daughter. She's got an Instagram account. She doesn't have a whole lot of followers. She's not getting a whole lot of likes. She doesn't feel popular. She doesn't feel pretty. She doesn't feel interesting. I've never been a 14-year-old girl, but I do have a teenage daughter, and I know what those girls go through. Um, you know, boys, I think the biggest thing that I was worried about at 13 was uh, getting called to the front of the class when I had an erection, which was often the erection, not getting called to the front of the class. You know, because... You'd pop wood just walking down the street. You'd be hanging out at your grandmother's house and get a boner. I mean, it would just happen all the time. And a a little girl, I mean, a teenage girl has got so many more problems to worry about. And so think about that. And she's going through these things. And then all of a sudden she comes across a page where it's a pretty girl and she's tan. And she's bent over at the waist with her thong on and her mound right there in the camera and she's got like 900,000 followers. I wonder what your 14-year-old thinks. Like my god, I guess that's what I need to do. And if you want to mind fuck yourself a little bit more, she looks down and sees your name, your username as someone that likes this or follows this page. Ugh. Yeah, that's that's um that's not how I'd ever want my daughter to see me. You know, and I, man, I love those pages. I love women. I mean, I love the human body. I think it's beautiful. And if those things are on Instagram, I'm going to look. So what I have to do is just not follow them. And if they do pop up, I've got to either delete them, unfollow them, or just making, make sure that I can circumvent that because I don't want to get pulled down that trap or down that hole. So, I say all that to say this to close up and, and try to salvage the end of this, um, this podcast. If you're participating in behaviors that you do not feel good about, if you're struggling with something, If you're addicted to something If there's something controlling your life Or someone controlling your life And you just can't get free of it Or if you've gotten to the bottom To the end If you're just fucking done with it If you're sick and tired Of feeling sick and tired If you're at the end of your rope Please seek help There's no shame in it Don't worry about the stigmas Don't worry about if it's taboo don't worry about what other people will say. Don't worry about what your kids will think, what your mom will think, what your wife will think. Seek help. Go to a a 12-step program. Go to AA, NA, SA, CA, OA. Seek therapy. Seek a friend, a confidant, a mentor. Try to find somebody that you can trust and be vulnerable with so you can share that weight with them. And they will help walk you back to the light. If you can't see the forest through the trees... But you know you're lost. Just reach your hand out. Somebody will grab it. You just got to keep reaching. And eventually somebody will grab it. Everyone that's listening to this. I hope that you can hear me. And you can feel the sincerity. In what I'm about to say. I am here. To help lift you. In any way I can. If you need help. And you don't know who else to turn to, but you can hear my voice. Reach out to me. And if I can't help you, I will help you find somebody that can. Message me on Instagram. Email me, ryan at circleofdadspodcast.com. Message me on Facebook. There is help. If your life is a complete shit show and you don't know which way to turn. I, I, I'm not saying I have the answers, but I'm sure. I know for a fact from personal experience, just having someone to listen to help carry that burden and help guide me back to the light was life changing. And so I would urge you to continue looking and continue striving to be better. Because all this deal is, is, is me loving you and you loving me. That's it. Be of service to your fellow man and let's lift each other up. Let's boost each other. Let's stop shaking the finger at each other and let's let's start providing each other with the solution. I'll walk with you. I'm here. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to share. You do not have to be perfect, but you do have to be present. We chase those kids until the day we die. We chase those kids until the day we die because love runs downhill.